Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bundesliga show brought to you by Over the Bar. Uh, we're back for another Monday Night Review show. Very exciting show uh, that we've got coming up. Uh, obviously loads uh, of featured for uh, games to cover. Um, just goals everywhere again this weekend. Just relentless um, as per usual in the Bundesliga. Um, really interesting um, talking point that we've got this week. Um, quite a topical one. Uh, one that had kind of escaped my attention for a little while until Mark brought it to my attention recently. So it, that'll, that'll be a good one. So we'll go over that. And of course, we've got a brilliant guest that you might have seen via the tweets uh, done by Bundes, uh, done by Over the Bar today. Um, so without kind of uh, taking up too much time, uh, of course. This show is in partnership with Bundesliga Boxes, brilliant company that provide uh, genuine, authentic, uh, not just Bundesliga, German football shirts. So get your hands on one. Uh, there is a pre-launch um, or a next batch basically coming out. Uh, I think it's tomorrow, actually, batch 18, I think I've seen. Uh, so make sure you keep an eye out for that and get yourselves another brilliant uh Bundesliga or any sort of division uh, football shirt and of course make sure that you like comment and subscribe to the channel uh, if you're watching on Twitter or you know if you're just watching along on YouTube please join in the comments uh, whilst we're live you know say hello if you've got a few questions for our guests uh, of course please get them in and we will get them answered as priority uh, so Mark just before we introduce our guests shall we go through the scores yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, obviously, week 23, another fantastic weekend of Bundesliga action, starting off with a Friday night cracker between Mainz and Leverkusen. It ended up in a 3-2 win for Mainz, but what a game this was. We'll go into more detail on that one later on. Moving on to the Saturday games, we had a great win for Hoffenheim now, two wins in a row for them away in Wolfsburg. Yeah, Rory Stuttgart, they finally got a point again, didn't they? It's been a while, let's be honest. But yeah, they got a good, well, I say a good, but yeah, obviously Bolken got a last-minute equaliser in a one-all draw there. Yeah, Freiburg with another good win. Their season just keeps going, doesn't it, with a 2-1 win over third-bottom Augsburg. Bielefeld continue their resurgence with a 1-0 win over now-faltering Union Berlin. FC Köln, you know, I think everyone's second favourite team this season, really, with another win on Saturday evening, 1-0 over Eintracht Frankfurt. Then, yeah, moving on to the Sunday games, it was goals galore, wasn't it? Like a classic Bundesliga Sunday, really, with Bayern Munich kicking off with a 4-1 win over Fur. But it wasn't all easy plain sailing because Furt actually led going into half time in that one. I think nobody expected that. Yeah, and then we finished Sunday with two six-goal hammerings, didn't we? Dortmund hammering Gladbach 6-0. And then, obviously, Leipzig uh, putting the same number of goals past Hertha to win 6-1 away from home. So, yeah, over to Rory to introduce our guest this week. Yeah, it's been a little while since we had a guest, and we've had this one in the, in the works for a couple of weeks. So, very... Excited to bring in uh, Jasmine Baba. Uh, Jasmine is a uh, is a football consultant, tactic analysis, and football scout uh, or scouting. Uh, mainly does works in uh, in German and has moved out there uh, lately. So let's uh, let's not delay any further and bring Jasmine into the show. 
Hi, servus. Good evening, Jasmine. How are you? Evening. I am really, really good. How are you two? Yeah, it's all going well. Talking Bundesliga football, basically. Uh, (laughs) Best part of the week, the Monday Night Review show. So, yeah, we're very excited to to do a bit of a Bundesliga chat with you. Did you manage to catch much of the, uh, the action over the weekend? Yep, absolutely. Loads of goals, as it seems to be every week now. Just non-stop goals and non-stop analysis. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. So, Mark, shall we uh, We'll crack on with the countdown then? Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah, obviously, OTB's featured four when me and Rory kind of come together to select the four best games of the weekend. It's always a difficult challenge because there's always tons of crackers in the Bundesliga. And especially, I think, since we started the Rook Runder this year, there's just been tons of crazy games, really, like every single weekend. There's just been like hundreds of goals, literally. It's just been amazing, really. But yeah, this weekend was no different. Another brilliant weekend. But yeah, let's start the countdown with, yeah, it was a game in uh, Niedersachsen between Wolfsburg and Hoffenheim. Yeah, obviously Wolfsburg came into this game on the back of two straight wins over Furt and Frankfurt, respectively, but they couldn't make it three wins in a row. But obviously Hoffenheim continuing their kind of return to form after the, their run of four straight defeats in all competitions, backing up their win over Bielefeld with a second straight win. But yeah, I mean, this was a really entertaining game. There could have been a lot more goals. Obviously, Jonas Vind giving Wolfsburg the lead, but then Hoffenheim fighting back in the second half. So yeah, Yasmin, do, do you think Hoffenheim deserved the win in this game or were Wolfsburg unlucky, do you think? I think Wolfsburg were quite unlucky, actually. Um, If you look through the game, they had so many chances. And, you know, I think the encouraging thing is that this Wolfsburg team have looked awful for a good good bit of the season now. Um, Firstly, under Van Bommel, they looked like they could have done something under Kofeld, then dropped away for a while. So... um, yeah, you know, this was a big improvement despite losing, especially when they lost Falk Vekhorst. Um, I was kind of surprised they went with uh, Jonas Vind. He's been on quite a few people's profiles for a little bit, um, but he seems to fit the bill. Uh, his goal was spectacular. Um, if you haven't seen it, go give it a watch. It's one of those, oh, I'm a technical striker, I can cull in a box from 10 yards out just from a really tight angle it's one of those ones as a football fan you really enjoy um but yeah like Kruse has really I think uplifted the team obviously it's an old team and he's worked with Kofeld before so uh the kind of improvement you can see through that and even for that Jonas Vind goal the one two from Vind and Kruse worked really well um yeah, the Hoffenheim was really lucky. I think their first goal, despite it being quite close to goal, the way that it was taken by Larson, uh, overhead kick, was really lucky to go in. Um, no one saw Hoffenheim coming back. And yeah, the second goal was a bit of poor defending, but by that time, Wolfsburg should have been like 3-1 up and it shouldn't have batted. But, you know, these things happen you had the I think it's late towards the end it was a fantastic save from Bauman to dive in for the equalizer too these days happen um but 
I think Wolfsburg can actually take in to account that they've had a really good weekend and the improvement should go on. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jasmine, what what do you think of uh, of Kofeld then? Because uh, me and Mark are certainly not hidden our uh, perhaps amazement at the fact that he uh, you know, he had a, a disappointing time with Verde, effectively took them down last season and then the Van Bommel situation transpires at Wolfsburg and then all of a sudden he finds himself in this quite privileged position of uh, inheriting a Champions League squad because that's, you know, that's the competition that they were in. Um, do, you, do you think he's a head coach that can take Wolfsburg forward again or do you think it's about getting towards the end of the season and then maybe reshaping how, how they would like to take the team forward? I, I think it is to do with reshaping. I, it, Kofel is a very good manager and we've seen glimpses of that at Werder. He did nearly get them into the Europa League that season um, mm. before they trailed away. And I think he has a knack of ending up at places that seem to have not really have the most consistent board decisions. I think people should have forced him in either resigning or sacking him earlier at Werder Bremen because we had seen it just he couldn't get that team started again and that's fine that happens sometimes and it's knowing when to be like okay I've done what I can this isn't going to improve and moving on um so that's why I would be willing for him and seeing after a transfer window at Wolfsburg seeing what they can do um he's definitely got a really good style of football knows what he wants to implement it just depends if Wolfsburg can implement it because I'm still a little bit um a little bit weary over what they're trying to do and what Kofel brings um and also the fact that they even brought Van Bommel in the first place is very highly much. confusing yeah mm -hmm. very questionable um York Schmacker can't really get away with that decision I we especially from my side we didn't know I think most people question that decision and to have someone like that run your pre-season coming to the season do terribly we've seen this in other clubs before if you have a bad pre-season and it lets it goes on to the rest of the season and the longer you delay that it ruins everything it ruins training it ruins fitness it ruined style of play and it takes a very long time to get players out of that too so yeah I I would really be willing to give Kofeld more time because I really wanted to see what he can do and this is basically a team that needs to be unearthed again and really really strongly implemented and restructured so yeah I would be willing to give him another um transfer window to see what he does Interesting. Uh, just finally, from me before go back over to Mark. Um, interested to see what you think about maybe Hoffenheim being probably the best challenger for the top four in terms of breaking up what we see as a almost a traditional top four at the moment. Obviously, RB Leipzig have uh, returned um, to kind of you know some parity with Tedesco, and they look quite powerful now. Uh, are Hoffenheim the only team that you see maybe challenging? that bracket right now or do you think any other teams could still come in 
I, I joked on Twitter once that there's always a new favourite of t- breaking the top four in the Bundesliga. The challenge is not to be it because the next week that they'll lose. Um, uh, Hoffenheim have a great team. They're building for next season. I don't think anyone breaks the top four this season or the traditional top four this season, even though Leverkusen being there is kind of breaking the traditional top four just because of the last two years. Um, so, yeah, I think Hoffenheim's a solid Europa League candidate. I think Union will fall away. They have fallen away. I think um, Kohn will probably fall away in Freiburg also have a tendency for doing it in the Rutlanda. So I think Hoffenheim's a solid Europa League contender for this season, but not Champions League. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, Hoffenheim currently sitting in fifth place in the league as well, only behind Leipzig on goal difference as well. So obviously, you know, and I think they have a few decent fixtures coming up as well in the next, uh, obviously playing your boy Stuttgart on Friday night, uh, Rory. So they'll be hoping to clock up another win there, that's for sure. Okay, so yeah, let's move on to game three of the weekend now. And that's going to be, yeah, it's going to be the Dortmund thrashing of Gladbach. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think Dortmund fans won't be very happy at the fact that this game has only made uh, number three on the list. But I think Gladbach fans will just probably not tune into the game tonight. That's for sure. I think Runa's a, a Gladbach fan as well. Obviously, our partner on the Thursday night show as well. So he must be kind of giving it a miss tonight. That's for sure. But yeah, I think obviously, I mean, where to start really for Gladbach? I mean, we always say that they do well in these kind of games. Obviously, they took four points of Bayern in the league. They beat Bayern in the Cup 5-0 famously. They actually beat uh, Gladbach, beat Dortmund at home in the league as well, actually, earlier in the season. So, yeah, I think nobody really saw. I think I predicted a two-all draw in this game. I thought that they'd actually be good enough to get a point in the game. But, I mean, it was just a disaster, really, wasn't it? I mean, I would say the first half, actually, they did compete relatively well, you know. Would you agree, uh, Yasmin, that they were a bit unlucky to be uh, 2-0 down at half-time in this one? Maybe not unlucky, but I... Maybe they should have scored at least one goal. It, Gladbach are really, really strange. Let's put it that way. Um, they actually create quite a lot of chances, um, or quite a lot of good chances, and then they just fall away. And and we see it, and their strikers don't actually sh- score. Jonas Hoffman's the top scorer of that team, and... Then with eight goals, and then you've got player on four goals. I think Mbolo's on three. I don't know where Marcus Taram is. And if you look at all the stats on how much they actually create, they create quite a bit. And that um, Hoffman chance was a big chance. Hmm. So, yeah, kind of unlucky. But also the some of their structures and just quite a lot of Gladbach is just I don't even know how to explain it Adi Hütter I love Adi Hütter I think he's a great manager he did great things under Eintracht Frankfurt he's stubborn and he's so stubborn in his principles of play how he wants to play the back five overloading the wings and you know playing quite quick um football from that and it's not only just counter attacks it is in possession as well he's got a really nice balance and I think if Dortmund had someone like him they would be doing a lot better so it's really angering to see him do so badly 
under Gladbach. And um, there's just no explanation for it because their strikers don't score. And you have to also take into the fact Coffin missed quite a few games through injury. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Marvin Friedrich, who was just slow. Ginter, I don't really get the hype around Ginter at all. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and he, seeing him linked with all these big clubs that don't really fit his style of play does not compute in my head. Um, but I think today... Adi Hood's tactics were wrong for once. We've seen, as you said, we've seen him win big games. He's Bayern's kryptonite. He's uh, he's Julian Nagelsmann's kryptonite. Um, but they pressed high but didn't think about counter-defense against Dortmund. And that's the one thing you need to do. If you're going to press high, if Dortmund then retrieve the ball and play in the kind of um, counter-attack way that they like to, you need to think about counter-defence and stopping them early, which they did not do. And that's why we got such a high scoreline. Um, I think in the last couple of minutes, they just kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. I don't really blame them. Um, but I'm still also not really convinced by Dortmund either, but I never am, so... Yes, well, so moving on from Gladbach, because if if one team are hard to predict, it's it's certainly Gladbach. Uh, but again, as Mark said, we can usually rely on them to turn up in the bigger contests, but wasn't the case this uh, on this occasion. And uh, well, let's link it in with a with a question that was coming into the live chat actually from from Steve Tim. So evening, Steve. Thanks for your question. Um, so what was the BBB 6-0 result then being out to prove a point after getting embarrassed by Rangers in the Europa League by polar Borussia performances? Um, so, well, Yasmin, we'll just throw that over to you then as a question. Do, do you think it was a, a bit of a reaction um, just to prove a point saying, you know, we're, we're still here and we've still got a season to fight for? Kind of, but they do that after every loss, and it seems they won. They won five one against Freiburg, only to lose five two against Leverkusen the week after. They win three nil, their fourth, I think, their fourth clean sheet of the season, and I mean, I think it's their whole season. I think if we only looked at Bundesliga, it would be less. Oh, very minimal clean sheets this season, um, only to lose that game against Rangers. Mm -hmm. So I have to think that this score will lull them in a full sense of security just to get maybe not get the result that they want against Rangers. It does depend if Haaland's back. Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe there's been some jokes around that Gio van Bronckhorst actually read my analysis on Dortmund. I hope so. Um, so it, it's hard to say. I don't think Dortmund can actually control their emotions or their tactical ability or anything. I think it was just kind of them wanting to press and they got lucky. Um, but we'll see. There's a few more injuries that come out of this game. I think their workload management isn't great. And that's why we're seeing these, you know, bipolar Borussia Dortmund performances it's always one good game one bad game they can't seem to keep it consistent and fitness is normally a big key indicator of that sure and uh leading on from that another question in from 
uh, over the bars, uh, Paul McGarrigy. So, Paul, hope you're doing well. Thanks for watching uh, this evening. He's asked similarly, uh, definitely a question for either yourself, Mark, or, or Jasmine. What has been the backlash uh, like here in terms of local media from and from the fans following the Rangers' defeat? I can guess, but Jasmine, do you want to lead on this one? Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, I think fans have kind of... German fans have kind of had enough from dropping out of the Champions League and then dropping out of the DFB Pokal against St. Pauli. Um, again, it's one of those very inconsistent, can't string two wins together kind of performances that we've seen. And fans don't feel like it's getting any better because mm -hmm. they had Edin Terzic. They were at the bottom of, the, of <laughs> everything that they've had for a good while, and they still won silverware. They looked like everyone was invigorated to come back, not only to win that silverware, but also finish in the Champions League. So um, that defeat was very, very embarrassing. And in terms of local media, it was also very embarrassing. Um, not that much has been made of it in terms of um, like international fan and media bases um because i think we all kind of know that it's been bad for a while so we aren't completely surprised however especially with just german football fans in general maybe not rival fans so let's say schalke fans but mostly in germany it's quite different to the premier league they want other german teams to do well for the coefficient so um, it's also embarrassing not on all of those as well that we've only yeah. really got Bayern Munich in the Champions League, but then Dortmund's also messing it up in the Europa League. Do you, do you think quickly before, we don't want to talk about Dortmund too much, but do you think this result hurts them more because it's on a European stage? And if it had been a 4-2 loss to Bielefeld or Furt or someone like that, it might not have been blown up as much. Do you think it's because it's now being seen further out there in the Europa League in a European competition that has been made as more of a, you know, a big talking point? That's a great question. I think, I think a lot of it is to do with the kind of competition Rangers are or seem mm -hmm. to be. Like if. <laughs> they draw the draw against Dundee United on the weekend. Um, the week before, didn't they? They uh, conceded three to Ross County. Um, it, those that does make it worse. However, I think it looks worse because this is realistically the only silverware that they can win and are favourites for. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why it looks bad. I think if they were still in the Champions League and then lost against Fur and lost. Like it wouldn't make that much of a difference. I think it's the whole context of things. Yeah, I think also just to add another point, like I spoke to a lot of kind of neutral German fan, uh, Bundesliga fans as well about the game, and they were just kind of uh, deluded about where the Bundesliga teams are going in in terms of European competition at the minute, really. Because I spoke to a lot of people before the games, and they were convinced that the likes of Dortmund and RB Leipzig were going to go deep into the uh, Europa League. You know, like people were like, you know, these teams are so good in the Bundesliga; they score goals and things. And I just think a lot of people are just completely deluded. They 
can't understand why the Bundesliga sides like Dortmund in recent years, you know, Leipzig in the last two years, maybe just haven't quite done what people expected, you know, because we all know we watch them every week. You know, they've got quality players throughout the side, but we just can't understand why teams are just not performing the last two years, especially in on the European stage, really, because there's quality players in this league and, you know, especially in the Europa League, because you see some of the La Liga teams, you know, the likes of, you know, Real Betis are just cruising past teams, you know, and we don't see why, really, the, the likes of Dortmund can't compete on the same level as the likes of Real <laughs> Betis and the like, you know. I have a theory that um, uh, Dortmund Hansi Flick was the worst thing for German football because it started that whole um managerial circus and everyone got a bad I think this is where boards were just completely shown up and picked really bad managers um the Jesse Marsh appointment for RB Leipzig did not work so well because RB Leipzig was used to not only counter-attacking football and that RB style of play but they were really good in possession as well Mm. and they went completely straight to the RB Leipzig forgot all their possessional base and that's why they couldn't function and that's why Tedesco has been such a good appointment and if Tedesco was there from the start of the season we sh- okay they were in a bad group so maybe that wouldn't have happened PSG and Man City in one group that's pretty hard but you know in next year I think we'll see the reinsurgence again again with that maybe not with Dortmund because you know Dortmund but yeah I'll be Leipzig at least Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, carry on with the second half of our countdown, we always like to take in any extra comments. And there's certainly been a few about Bielefeld, which obviously they are very popular. Uh, John Fleming reminding us that Bielefeld are bigger than Rangers, uh, or more <laughs> popular anyway. Um, and before that, uh, we did have a question from Gary Jones. So Gary asked... Um, Another great result for Bielefeld at the weekend. Um, surely they are safe now. Uh, Jasmine, are, are they safe? Uh, surely are they safe? Oh, no. No one is safe in this league. Um, they're only three points from the relegation playoff and only six points from actual relegation. Um, everyone is playing poorly, so no one is safe. Um I think if I was a Bielefeld fan, I'd take in comfort that I think there's three worse teams than Bielefeld. But, you know, it's the Bundesliga. And if you get relegated, you're in the Bundesliga too. So you're chaotic and unpredictable. So that part of the league is chaotic and unpredictable. But I I think there are worse teams than Bielefeld at the moment. So I wouldn't worry as much. Yeah, I think we all remember Köln last year, you know, I think they were what? They were so far adrift and they were just hopeless for most of the season, weren't they? And then I think they went on a run of like four wins in the last five games to famously kind of escape the automatic relegation on the the last day. And then obviously they won the away leg of the playoff as well. So, yeah, I mean, it can happen in this league, you know, teams can just put runs of form together from nowhere, really. So, yeah, I I would agree. I think Bielefeld... will definitely stay up. I think they're, they're a half-decent team, especially since the first 10 games or so. But you never know for certain in this league, that's for sure. Okay, so yeah, 
yeah, let, let's swiftly move on to to game two of four. So yeah, this this is going to be that hair to one RB Leipzig six game. Yeah, which kind of followed the the Dortmund humbling of Gladbach, didn't it? I mean, th this was a strange one though, really, because it wasn't always quite so one sided, was it? Obviously, I think Leipzig took the lead in the first half through Heinrichs. Bit of a lucky goal, really. This one for me was probably going wide, but it kind of hit it clattered off the poor defender really who couldn't do very much and kind of just went in underneath the bar for one nil then yeah i think leipzig obviously just kind of cruised through the rest of the first half really without really creating that much else but then straight away in the second half obviously hertha berlin with a rather fortuitous equalizer themselves really obviously stefan jobatic hit the ball again against the defender and it kind of looped around uh, Gulazzi in the net, didn't it, for one all. But then, obviously, the, the big turning point, really, wasn't it? It was that man, Mark Oliver Kempf, pulling down the striker as he went through on goal, getting sent off and obviously giving away the penalty, which was duly dispatched. Yasmin, do you think it was the correct decision, the penalty in the red card, or was it a bit harsh yeah. on the hand side? No, I don't think it was. You can't be doing that. You can't be doing that. And even if they got the penalty, I think Leipzig, even at 11 versus 11, probably would have broken down Hertha. Um, they just seem so dominantly strong right now. I still have them down for second and catching up to Dortmund. I don't know why exactly, because mathematical, it's a little bit more out there, but the run and the numbers they're posting right now under Tedesco is quite insane. So, um, yeah, I still have them down for second. I think they would have broken them down anyway. And what a season it is for Nkunku, really. He will drag them up, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think, uh, first of all, ju justice for Stuttgart seeing uh, Kempf being sent off that. Uh, I I don't yeah. hide my emotions by saying I was not uh, put a smile on my face in being sent off and then had to <laughs> losing by six goals to one. Um, aside from that, um, obviously you've mentioned Jasmine and Kunku. He has been obviously by far and away RB Leipzig star man. Um, one player that has re returned um, who's been absent, I think, is another key cog um, in, in that side is Danny Olmo, um, who was involved in a lot of the good play that RB Leipzig did. Um, and I, I think, from my point of view, a fit Danny Olmo and a fit Nkunku for the rest of the season, I, I, I kind of agree with you, to be honest, Jasmine. It wouldn't be a surprise to see RB Leipzig keep a run going to maybe surpass Dortmund in second place. Um, what kind of key factors do you see um, other than maybe Olmo and um, Nkunku, like, helping RB Leipzig do this. You mentioned a little bit about Tedesco and, and kind of going back to the old RB Leipzig way of play. Yeah, oh, well, actually, Tedesco is more of a Nagelsmann coach or the other way around, depending on what kind of time and era you want to have each. Um, they kind of burst on this. They were in the same football era um, coaching. So basically the UEFA pro license in Germany's called Fußballleiter. I'm they're in the same class, so they kind of bust on the scene at the same time. And similar kind of approaches to football. So Tedesco can work that uh possessional play approach a little more. And I think we saw a lot of that against that Hertha game. And I think that's the kind of thing that they were missing 
after Nagelsmann and why I think Jesse Marsh wouldn't have fit and he didn't. Um, but change in that kind of role and that style of play has made other players more involved. So, um, yep, Olmo coming back is a huge plus for them. He was instrumental um, last year as well. But it also brings people like when uh, Andre Silva comes to play where he wasn't doing so well before now is he is more of the role that he had at Eintracht Frankfurt and then we get to see the brilliance of Paulson Shabozhloy just a little bit more like he was at RB Salzburg and um all of these things are very very important and when Leverkusen can't string like two wins together either um you've definitely got RB Leipzig gunning for second um and they are currently 12 points off Dortmund I believe so four wins mm -hmm. if you take into account that Dortmund still have to play Bayern and Leipzig that cuts it down to six and then you've only got the two more uh losses and wins for Leipzig to come back into that second position so I think it is very very possible still even though it seems quite a big number and Leipzig definitely have a similar team to last year and now a proper playing structure to actually evolve those players like we saw last year and even more if you take in someone like Nkunku. Uh, get yeah, your money on Leipzig tough. for second, guys. Yeah, Leipzig yeah, for second. Yeah. Uh, get the 10 to 1. Yeah, get your money. <laughs> <laughs> just another, another question as well from uh, Mr. Chris Saunders as well. Thanks yeah. for the question. Yeah, just also about uh, Leipzig. Yeah, Do RB Leipzig fans embrace the fact that they're such an unpopular club, obviously, within Germany? Not really so much on the continent, but definitely within Germany, they're unpopular. A bit like how Millwall fans chant, no one likes us, we don't care. Yeah. Yasmin, what, what would you say about that one? Would you say that their fans kind of embrace it or are they not so happy about it, really? I think the way that RB Leipzig came about, I think a lot of fans there don't really care. Um, obviously, with what happened to the Leipzig teams before and how they became RB Leipzig, it was calling out for a team and that's how they got it. If, if you're from the area, then I don't think they honestly care um i think it just it's water off a duck's back more like i think there is a little bit of snipping each way but i think we're maybe not in german football but we are seeing more teams have more of the kind of system rb has in terms of salzburg leipzig new york and we're seeing other teams do that just under different names having partnership clubs and it's not that different so maybe not in Germany so soon but we will see it more and more and I think more people will have to get used to RB Leipzig being a thing and also their club being the same sort of thing just under a different name yeah, good stuff. And a, a quick comment from Gary Jones, uh, moving on to kind of the Herter side of things, uh, wouldn't have been pretty viewing in the second half and, uh, well, it's not been pretty viewing in 2022, has it? Uh, let's be honest. So, um, it, yeah, Gary finds it very strange, the fact that a team from the capital, capital city being Berlin are so poor, um, Union obviously being superior at the moment, they've also seen a bit of a 
blip or dip um, since January, unfortunately, based on their their kind of uh, outgoings, which has has had a bit of a negative impact. Um, Jasmine, what what do you think about Herta then? Uh, again, pretty unpredictable. They saw a bit of a an upturn when the um, the new man came in for a little while ahead of Dardai. Um, but again, it's fizzled out this year. What what are they doing wrong? It's all very strange. Um, obviously, they got Freddie Bobic to be sporting director there, and he brought a load of people from Eintracht Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. So um, I was expecting it to go the way of Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, obviously, they've got a lot more infrastructure than Eintracht Frankfurt too. But um, I don't want to go into the history of Berlin and why it's probably not as big as Bavarian clubs or West German clubs because I think that is a big element of that in terms of why it's not bigger um, than it should be because it's a capital city. But I don't, I really don't want to get into German history. Um, but I, I, this is definitely, um, it's definitely a season to see if Freddy Bovich actually can live up to his own hype. Hmm. Um, if he's actually good or if Eintracht Frankfurt was just a fluke. Um, I don't know what exactly he's doing. So Hasn't he's... there been some stuff in the media about the uh, the expense or the amount of money that's been thrown around at her? <laughs> so, Jasmine, do you want to expand on that a little bit? I, I've only seen little bits of it. So um, their main investor, I, I might not get this 100% right because if mm. I don't have something in front of me, I get it wrong. But <laughs> their main investor, Lars Windhorst, who yeah. basically funds the club, um, was a little bit disappointed, let's mm. say, in um, some of the expenses and how it was being run. Yeah. Um, so it will be interesting to see if he keeps on aiding this investment or what he particularly does or say, um, it came out through not like board meetings. It was said on the side. So the club are pretty miffed at him saying something like this outside of the club. So yeah, that's definitely one to watch, but it, you, we have to say they sacked our die because if the kind of, the, it kind of fizzled out, as you mm. said, the results and stuff. But instead of actually going for a proven manager who could work something, they went with Corker, who, you know, has had some spells here and there, but it's probably not a person that you want to drive through. And more weirdly, he's, I think, interim until the end of the season. So they haven't even found someone mm. Um Apparently, Nico Kovac, who's a big Hertha man, fan favourite, has obviously managed in the Bundesliga before with many other teams, um, doesn't want to go back. So, for me, I would say oh, someone like Nico Kovac would definitely have his style of football. Can you know, Fans will listen to him. The footballers will listen to him. He's Hertha. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't want to go back. So, it's kind of, for me, looking at Hertha, kind of back to the drawing board who can they get and how can they fix this yep strange club as it said (laughs) 
Absolutely. And I think the other problem with Hertha is, you know, I mean, sometimes the effort on the pitch is just not there, let's be honest. You know, I think some of the players, uh, I know it might sound a bit a bit tough on them, but some of the players just don't seem to buy into what they're doing at that club. You know, I mean, I go as far as to say as some of the players, are just, they want to get quite a nice paycheck, let's be honest, that Hertha are obviously paying out these days, but many of them are just not putting the work in. I mean, we saw it in this game, you know, after 2-1, they just self-destructed, basically. They didn't try an inch really after 2-1 let's be honest and that's not really good enough for the fans and yeah it's, it's a big problem we, we've mentioned before about maybe issues with the stadium is the stadium too big for them as well you know I mean they get pretty good crowds but still I've been to the Olympia Stadion over in Berlin and it's absolutely huge you know it makes Wembley look small when you're in there pretty much you know it's like I think the biggest stadium I've ever seen really because it's so vast as well it's not mm. just big you know it goes it's a huge stadium really yeah but that could be part of the problem as well but yeah, so let, let's move on to the, the game of the weekend, yeah, which I think is pretty clear. And it was an absolute classic for me, this one on, on Friday evening. You know, it had everything that we love about the Bundesliga, you know, attacking football from both teams, a great atmosphere from the fans that were in the stadium over in Mainz, yeah. And obviously a crazy topsy-turvy game as well. I mean, what a match this was, Yasmin. What did you make of this one as a neutral? <laughs> I was I was bored for the first half. It didn't really get excited until like the last 15 minutes where I was like, oh, oh things are going on here. Um, I honestly thought that Leverkusen, Leverkusen normally have at least four games, four goals a game. It is their standard. They average around probably more than four goals a game now, probably more like 4.5. Um so it's never a dull moment when they're around. But for the first half, I was thinking, oh, no, this is actually going to end something like 1-0 or 1-1. It's going to be one of those weird ones. But no, at the end, it did not disappoint. Um, we had a lovely long-range goal from Schick to get the ball rolling. Um, he loves those long-range goals. To be fair, Mines gave him so much space so much space that I can only say he had to take advantage of that um and then he comes off injured just after the first half but that did not stop the goals um Martin obviously equalized 57 min minutes in and it just turns out that I think Leverkusen have a problem with set pieces because mm. we had um free kick for the equalizer um, we had a throw-in assist from to make it 2-2. And then, okay, the winner was from open play from Imbatsen. But, yeah, it, it was just... You kind of see the fragilities of Leverkusen and why they've been so inconsistent in a game like that, where um, Mainz don't score that much and they mm -hmm. also don't concede that much. So, um, yeah, it's all Leverkusen's really wild, inconsistent entertaining football yeah it's one of those where you think when minds are involved just thinking it might yeah it might fizzle out to be a one nil or a one one but yeah leverkusen had other ideas they're like it's this can't end one nil we have to entertain um so yeah i mean minds probably could have scored more goals um i think there's uh, jonathan burkhart um in the first half he was trying to set up on isiwo those two aren't quite gelling as well as they were earlier on in the season. Burkhart, uh, short of goals, 
um, this kind of certainly in the rook runder anyway. Um, so yeah, interesting to see that minds are just being helped out all over the pitch. And as we mentioned, they don't score loads of goals, but they also don't concede many. And, and some of the goals that were scored, obviously, I think the free kick was a really nice effort from Martin, and um, and they had a goal disallowed as well from Onisiwo. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were certainly uh, justified to get the win. But it just makes me think. It's the most Leverkusen thing to be <laughs> as hot as you can get and then also be winning 2-1, arguably when you don't deserve to be, and then still lose all that momentum now gone. Um, me, me and Mark were talking up Leverkusen to maybe finish second place. Uh, Jasmine, you're shaking your head already. No. What, what do you reckon <laughs> Leverkusen as a, as a target for this season? Just Champions League football? I think just Champions League football. I think they have the quality to stay above the rest, but they're still so wildly inconsistent. The The main thing that bugs me about Leverkusen, though, is that I don't know why they're inconsistent. They have no tactical tell of why they're wildly inconsistent. I mean, they have a few, but nothing that puts them in the range of win one, lose one every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quality and the actual entertainment that they give us is more than enough so as long as they get into champions league this season i'll be happy um florian verts um musa diaby just fantastic players um mm. adley of course uh Schick, um hopefully he's not injured for too long uh who else have we got with andrich of course he kind of He's just like the cog of that team. Sure. Jeremy Frimpong. I, I just love all of those. It's just such a talent, like a young, really likable, entertaining team. And I love all of their, just all of how they play football. Um, so, yeah, I, I really hope they can make Champions League and not drop with the rest of the pack because they are, they are wildly inconsistent. But man, are they fun. Yeah, they've got, the, got the shapings of a really exciting squad. If they can hold on to that and and improve it going on to next season, because when you go through one to eleven of their strongest team, it is it's a very formidable team, especially the way that they've improved the fullbacks. Frimpong and Backer have been well going forwards anyway have been frightening. So yeah, there's lots to still be uh, hopeful and ambitious about for Leverkusen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, let, let's turn the attention now to, obviously, the, the Bundesliga talking point of the week. The Bundesliga boxes talking point of the week, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, this has been an issue that's been in the, the German news, especially. And I think it also made kind of the, the international football news as well, really, this one. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been talking, obviously, Bayern Munich closing in on their 10th straight Bundesliga title this year. Obviously, they're six points clear with a vastly superior goal difference at the moment. And it, it's got a lot of people within Germany, especially in the DFB, talking about, like, what can they do to kind of change that? You know, so that, that's what we're going to talk about today. And one of the kind of things that's been touted is our playoffs potentially a good idea for the Bundesliga, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, this is something very controversial because a lot of people say that playoffs are only for rugby and for American sports, basically. I think a lot of people have that kind of opinion on playoffs, don't they? And certainly the purists are not going to be happy to see that, obviously, to decide the league. I mean, obviously, in many leagues across Europe, in the lower leagues, they have this for promotion, 
you know, between obviously in England in the championship, between third to sixth playoff. Also in the Bundesliga, the third, the team third from bottom playoff against a team third from top in the Zweite uh, Bundesliga, the second league. But yeah, are playoffs a good idea for deciding the Bundesliga championship? Let's start with you, Yasmin. So what are your thoughts on this? No, <laughs> just no. I, I'm, I, I have to admit, I'm probably kind of biased. I do not like change. Um, but I think playoffs are a good idea in leagues where there are not enough teams. So we've got, you know, in Austria, they kind of split the league after mm. everyone plays, I think, in the... Um, in the first half of the season, split them up in the second half of the season. The Danish Superliga is similar, but there's only 12 teams in the Danish Superliga. Um, there's 18 teams in the Bundesliga. I think that is enough um, games to decide who's the best. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think 36 games at the end of it, you should have a playoff. Why would you be the best of 36 games just to play off in a one-game, two-game, three-game match playoff um, to decide who's the best when you can see who's the best? Um, teams are more interested and need more money to come even close, um, especially when it comes to TV broadcast deals. Lower teams just need more money and a fairer share of the split um and also i think people haven't really watched people will be not an armchair fan per se but they will only see the result and not see the context of the result i've seen many times where other teams have cl come close to buy-in and we've had weird things happen or we've had inconsistencies or we've had dormant hiring the wrong coach at like this again and again and again um, I just have to pull up the last few seasons, be like, well, actually, Bayern were behind at this stage in the midpoint of the season. They got lucky because of the COVID break. They, I can say so many things. Um, but anyone who watches it knows that, A, the result isn't the biggest thing of the league. The culture of the Bundesliga, the culture of German football is so much more to than just winning the Bundesliga every year. Um, and that's the kind of way I feel about it. I feel like being here, it isn't so big um, of a controversy as it is being outside of Germany. I feel like it's been made up a lot more. I mean, obviously, there it should be talks because it does look like Bayern's dominating the league. But um, I think that that is how I feel I think loads of teams are just saying they need a little bit more money and we've seen it come close time and time and again I could argue even this season by Bayern have a smaller squad than both Wolfsburg and Dortmund um and we've seen so many other clubs just make bad and poor decisions that you can see of them all off like Wolfsburg were a Champions League team last season. Then they brought in Mark van Bommel that everyone knew was trash. <laughs> that is a bad decision. Um, I argued that when Marco Rosa was uh, was hired in February last year, mm -hmm. yep, mm -hmm. this time last year, it wasn't a good fit. Um, and if you can see these kind of... <laughs> 
bad decisions being made from Amalov that can change a season. Um, I do think we need to look at those things a little more before we're going, oh, let's rip up the whole league season and bring back bring in playoffs. I think we've we've seen how playoffs work in second Bundesliga to first the first league. And you know, the bigger team normally has the stronghold anyway. So what if it didn't even change anything? That's also a possibility. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We've got a few comments in as well from uh, from Chris and Gary. Chris kind of mentioning the the split of, of the leagues, and that's that's something certainly that would maybe interest the more neutral market to bring in new fans. If you did split up the league top, well, if you split it in half, there's still nine teams. Do you play another eight rounds of Bundesliga matches, even though there are potentially more high-profile games to get more revenue? Does that then make the league almost 12 months long? Um, football you know, football players are already playing too much football as it is, so that, for me, is quite a tricky one to even look at itself. Um, looking at, obviously, the comments uh, that have come out uh, in the last week or so, it oddly seems that the only supporter of this is buying themselves in the fact that Oliver Kahn himself came out and said, you know, we, we're actually quite open to change if we think that it's going to be good for the Bundesliga. Um, I mean, is that just the confidence of Bayern saying that even if we had the jeopardy of a semi-final or final, we'd win it anyway, we don't care. Um, and then lots of other teams, Leverkusen, Dortmund representatives have said, yeah, we don't we don't want that. So it's in a very opposite way around to what I expected to to hear from that. Jasmine, just to find it kind of finally kind of wrap this topic up. Do you a are you a uh, surprised by those comments? And then B, have you got any better suggestions for us about how to better brand the Bundesliga if that is what they're trying to get at? Basically, saying that it needs to be a more global globalized league. I think I think it is a globalized league if you like to look at it. I think. Uh, Compared to the other leagues, it's just. I mean, if I got into it, that's what I'm. I'm trying to think of why it's not more global. I think it's really global. You have plenty yeah. of fans. Like, look at how many people are talking about Bielefeld. <laughs> not even I know that much about Bielefeld. Um, so I, I think I, I don't really like. Oh, we need playoffs to make it more. Um, yeah suited to the international market um i do feel the need to focus on home market fans first before ripping up the whole league um many people in germany are fine with the way it's played i am surprised that Bayern. i think Bayern are do like to play diplomatic at times and just like ah, oh, we will just see um so and and i think other teams know that playoffs might not do anything i think someone said the scottish league is similar and it doesn't stop the two league dominant the two team yeah. dominance especially celtic of present years um so I, d I don't really find that a thing at all and especially when we think about international playoffs and moving them to other countries although i did throw the idea that i would love to see regional league playoffs in like saudi arabia just see like the um, ultras fans of um, Rot Vice Essen 
going to Saudi Arabia. That 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 for me is global content. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of German football is ingrained in culture sure. and history and. I don't think many people will want to mess with that, even if it does mean buying gets dominant for a few couple more years. Mm-hmm. I, I think things can be done at just more, as I said, more money spread. I feel like they should join with Austria, but I feel like that's a question and a whole different process for another day. I, <laughs> I feel like Austria is kind of not small enough, but... I feel like a German-speaking part of Football League would be a better managed idea. I don't know where money comes into that, though, so don't ask me. I'm not an entrepreneur. Um, And then if any clubs want to hire me and help them win the league, then I am am free to do that because I've got many suggestions on some of these teams and how they are on. So, yeah, that's my suggestion. (laughs) I think VFB Stuttgart might might need a bit of a hand. My boys are struggling a little bit, Jasmine. So maybe you can uh, give Pellegrini Matarazzo a bit of a, a bit of a hand because things aren't going as well as I had hoped this season. I will become the new Sven Mislintar. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, well, that pretty much rounds up uh, our talking point of the week. Um, it was as good as we thought it would be because we had lots of comments in on that. Jasmine, your thoughts on that were really interesting as well. Uh, particularly topical this week. So very enjoyable to chat about that. Um, and that pretty much rounds up the show for this week. Um, so a massive thank you to Jasmine for uh, being a brilliant guest. Uh, first ever appearance on the Bundesliga show. And we very much hope that uh, you'll, you'll return, whether it's later on this season or next season. Um, we'll hand over to you, Mark, to uh, to close up the show. Yeah, absolutely. So if you enjoyed what you saw today, obviously, on the Bundesliga show, then check out our Twitter, at Over the Bar FB and at Over the Bar Extra. Remember, we don't only produce Bundesliga-related content. We also have League One uh, and League Two shows, obviously, back in the UK. For any of you kind of lower league junkies over there in the UK and anywhere else in the world, really. Yeah, and also remember to uh, check out our main site, which is otbfootball.net. That's kind of like the kind of main centerpiece of our work. We also do written articles as well. So remember that. Check out. We've got just about everything being written about. A lot of Scottish football as well, for those of you that want to read more about uh, Dortmund's Conquerors Rangers recently as well. Get that checked out. And obviously, again, uh, remember to uh, like, comment, and subscribe below. We're slowly building up the... uh, the subscribers, but we want to kind of get some of the guys from Twitter over to the YouTube as well, which we are doing slowly. But yeah, if you are watching on Twitter as well, and remember to kind of give us a subscribe as well, and it'll help us out to produce more content. So thanks again to Jasmine. Yeah, it was a pleasure. And we'll see you again on Thursday for the prediction show ahead of next week. See you then. Auf Wiedersehen. Hello.